step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Good evening and welcome to Wanderings with Lady Teal. If you are new here, each episode I recount my experiences in new and unusual places that my husband and I visit around the country. We also delve into the history and lore behind these locations. Last week we visited Sedona, Arizona, and I discussed the Hanaki Ruins and Bradshaw Ranch. That episode was a doozy filled with sightings of UFOs, orbs, Bigfoot, and even dinosaurs. This week, we're going to dive into what Sedona is known best for, and that is the vortices, or as the locals refer to them, vortexes, that make up this beautiful red rock country. Used for decades prior as a location for healing and vacationing due to its gorgeous landscape, lush green flora, and beautiful weather, Sedona was predicted from the early 1900s to be a tourist attraction. As far as its metaphysical properties go, Sedona was popularized in the 1950s and 60s as a New Age destination. Sedona's true spiritual heritage likely goes back thousands of years, with natives like the Sanawa developing dwellings on the outskirts of Sedona. Many archaeologists believe that because their residences sort of create a ring around Sedona, it's possible that they lived on the outskirts and then traveled to the Red Rocks for sacred ceremonies. As I was working on this episode to develop the history of Sedona, it was clear that the white settlers came in and took what was not theirs in the 1800s while holding the natives captive, they started laying claim to the land. Much of this area was whitewashed, and it's evident even today on certain websites, and even when you go in certain crystal shops along Highway 89A, that this blemish in Sedona's history is just glossed over. Nowadays, New Age belief is often mixed with Native belief, and the line between respecting the beliefs of another and cultural appropriation is a bit blurred. However, there is something unique about Sedona, because like Stonehenge, like Machu Picchu, this place draws people from all corners of the earth, and that in itself is commendable. Going back to how the vortexes became so popular, in the 60s, Sedona was known for its high-energy meditative sites, In 1979, Paige Bryant, a psychic and intuitive counselor who studied under a self-proclaimed shaman in Sedona, claimed that there were four major vortexes, which are now some of the most visited sites in Sedona. Before we get into what each of these sites are, what people feel, etc., let's break down the word used to describe these sites. Vortexes. So vortexes are usually physical energy. You might think of a tornado or a cyclone, for example. Scientists have not yet found any evidence of physical vortexes in Sedona. In fact, if you look at it from the world of physics, for a vortex to exist, there must first be a fluid and second, a stirring influence. 
If there's no physical fluid, fluid dynamics that vortices are based on do not exist. But knowing this does not necessarily debunk the vortexes of Sedona. In fact, many tour guides will tell you that science can't prove by typical methods that there are vortexes hereabout. And alternative methods have to be used. And these alternative methods allow you to visually see the effects of the vortexes. Since most people claim that it is metaphysical energy or spiritual energy that is swirling around, how could science, with its current methodology, measure the effects of this spiritual energy? So, it may not be the best word to describe the area, but it is now the most widely used. And in the metaphysical community, it is understood that a vortex is just used to indicate a high-energy meditative location. When Bryant discovered these four main sites, she described the vortex locations as electromagnetic, electric and magnetic. Others will say they feel a yin and yang energy, and others will say a feminine and masculine, or a positive and negative energy. And this is all deterministic on, like, what your beliefs are. Websites and tour guides will tell visitors that they might feel a tingling sensation as they get close or as soon as they enter a vortex. Others might feel sick or woozy. Some may feel nothing but peace and tranquility. As I mentioned on the last episode, I didn't really do much research on Sedona's vortexes before going because I wanted to experience them with an open mind without having any prejudgments. I remembered watching a YouTube video from a girl named Sky Cowan in which she goes to Sedona to experience the hidden vortexes and see if they are real or not. While her guide was drumming at one location, she was laying on a rock meditating. She became visibly sick and started coughing uncontrollably. There was no acting involved and it was clear something affected her here. Would I experience the same thing? I was doubtful because I've been on ghost tours where friends say they feel negative energy and I don't feel anything unusual. I've also been standing right next to friends who have seen orbs in a cemetery, and I have seen nothing at all. And as a diehard X-Files fan would say, I want to believe. So we visited our first vortex, Boynton Canyon. The information I found was much like the aforementioned. Here at Boynton Canyon, there were supposedly two vortexes, a masculine and feminine. Supposedly, if you are already aligned with one of the energies, you won't feel it. Instead, you will feel recharged after getting in touch with the energy that you are lacking. So if you are wanting to visit the Boynton Canyon Vortex, 
It's a short walk from the starting trailhead. However, we incorporated several other trails into our adventure. We started from the Long Canyon Trailhead and ended with the Mezcal Trail and incorporated the Boynton Canyon Vortex in between. So our total hiking trip was around eight miles. By the time we arrived at Boynton Canyon Vortex, we had already walked about five miles or so. The feminine energy was supposedly centered around a rock formation called the Kachina Woman. This rock formation spirals high into the sky and is a very tall structure. My friend Sarah and I took a moment to pause and rest upon the rocks. Just taking in the oranges and reds of the canyon walls was soothing to the soul. There were people taking photos. Others were meditating. There was a man on the masculine rock formation across the way, meditating. He slowly raised his arms up towards the sun and back down to the earth. After we sat for a moment and concluded that we had not really felt anything unique or unusual where the feminine energy was supposed to be located, we headed over to the rock I had seen the man on to see if we could get in touch with our masculine energy. While walking through the exact center point between the two formations, I felt what I can only describe as walking through a force field. I felt it only for a brief moment, and my entire body tingled or vibrated from my head to my toes, and it was only just like a split-second feeling. I wondered, was that it? Was that what I was supposed to feel? Or was that my body just telling me that I'm tired and hot from the lengthy hike? I almost didn't even mention it to anyone because it was so quick and such a faint feeling. We laid against the rock, said to have masculine energy. I even climbed atop and took in the views. And then we headed back down to finish the last leg of our hike. I wondered to myself if I had really felt something... Or if it was just my body being tired. I honestly still am not sure. The hike was so much fun. The views were incredible. I already felt recharged just being in touch with nature again. So maybe my energies were already balanced? I'm not sure. To be completely honest and transparent, on the walk back, I reflected on the fact that I was a little disappointed I didn't feel something more visceral. About a week later, we moved campsites closer to the Bradshaw Ranch and closer to Bear Mountain. Our campsites were frequented by tour groups, of which I was able to catch tidbits from their tales. Much to my surprise, the hilltop that we were camping on was a vortex itself. Well, actually, to clarify, according to many metaphysical experts, the entirety of Sedona is one large vortex. And then you have these certain points that contain higher concentrations of this energy, and those are referred to vortexes. So Boynton Canyon, Cathedral Rock, Airport Mesa, and Bell Rock are the four main vortexes that people go to visit. But you'll also find smaller, lesser-known vortexes or hidden vortexes, 
And these are places where typically the locals don't want to tell tourists about because um, that means there's more foot traffic coming in, more erosion, and the uh, plant life and the wildlife gets disturbed. So these are typically just local legends. So here we are, camped atop our very own vortex. I watched a few of the tours and each guide brought different tools to show the tourists how they could see the effects of the vortex. If you are not getting any of the physical sensations that many say that they feel, like the tingling sensation or the vibrations, then you can use these methods to perhaps amp up that energy. This was perfect. This was what I was looking for. This was what I needed to see to fully understand what is happening at these vortex spots. So one guy brought in dowsing rods, and I assume most people know what dowsing rods are, but for those that do not, they're basically two L-shaped metal rods, usually copper, and in the past they were used to search for water, and nowadays they're often used for paranormal investigation, like speaking to ghosts. So when the dowsing rods are in your hands, you're holding them and they are parallel to the ground. And if they cross, that usually means yes or affirmative. And if they spread out, that usually means no. However, I must mention the entirety of dowsing rods is considered a pseudoscience because every scientific study used with dowsing rods usually points to the ideomotor phenomenon, which is when a subject makes a motion unconsciously. Ouija boards are also under this phenomenon, and as your friendly neighborhood open-minded skeptic, I like to present you with the scientific information, but I also am not going to deny the things that I have observed while sitting atop this hilltop. So this guide is using dowsing rods to show people how the closer he gets to a twisted juniper tree, the rods begin to cross. This signifies the vortex is stronger here. I watched multiple people try this, probably, I don't know, maybe like 75 to 100 people try this because there were tours coming up every single day that we were camped at this location and we were camped here for two weeks. And I'd say about for 80% of the people who tried this, the dowsing rod method worked for them. As they moved closer to the tree, they would cross, and this would indicate that they were in an area filled with stronger energy or they were within that vortex. Another guide used a pendulum or a crystal or even a necklace. I saw one fellow use his army necklace. Now, Pendulums are considered divination tools, and a lot of divination tools fall under the same ideomotor phenomenon that is considered a pseudoscience because basically if um, you use anything that falls under this category, science basically says that you are subconsciously or unconsciously making the object move yourself. Now, I tried this method myself, and I was surprised, maybe even a little shook by the results. I've posted a video of me doing this on Instagram and TikTok, so for those who haven't watched it, go check it out. It's pretty cool. 
The idea is that you hold your pendulum. In my case, I used on several different occasions, I used two different necklaces. So I used an amethyst necklace and then I used a citrine and quartz necklace. And you hold the necklace or pendulum perfectly still. And if you are in a vortex, the necklace will start spinning around in a circle. And if you are not in a vortex, the necklace will just remain still. So I tried this. I walked um, to an area that I assumed was not part of the vortex and I held the necklace. I made sure it was not on, um, or I made sure that I did this on a day that was not windy because I did not want anything else affecting my results. So I walked to this area, I held the necklace. There was, you know, some slight sway because you obviously can't keep your hand perfectly still. And then I walked closer to the tree where this vortex is supposed to be. The closer I got to the tree, the more the necklace started spinning. And it was literally spinning in a circle. And I was just dangling the necklace, like lightly holding onto it with two fingers. The amount the necklace was spinning, it, there was no way that I was moving it in this direction. I would have had to be moving my entire hand, my entire wrist to get the speed and to get the centrifugal force that the necklace was spinning in. And I did this on several different days in multiple locations and tested it with not one but two different necklaces and it worked multiple times for me. Now, like I said, we talked about the ideomotor phenomenon and it could definitely be applied to this methodology as well. But what I can tell you is that I felt a significant tug on the necklace, like the ground was pulling the necklace downward. I held the necklace lightly between two fingers because I wanted to make sure that I was not creating this movement, subconsciously or unconsciously, whatever. The only time I ever experienced the circular motion was in an area where the vortex energy was supposedly strongest. This was the most proof that I had gathered on my entire journey in Sedona. I can only tell you what I felt and what I saw, but for the necklace to be spinning as fast as it was and in a perfect circle-like motion as it was spinning, I tell you, I would have had to use some significant force with my hands and my fingers, and I really did feel a tugging sensation as if the earth was trying to absorb the crystal. And that is the strongest, most sincere experience that I had with a vortex, and that experience just made me feel like maybe there is something to these vortexes. Because I never felt any energy. I definitely felt calm, tranquil, and peaceful, but I feel like that anytime I go hiking or anytime I'm surrounded by beautiful natural landscapes. But this was the first time that I could see an effect on an object, and that got my brain spinning. <laughs> so the other method a guide used was drumming. And in the video I mentioned earlier, the YouTube video that I watched, which was Sky Cowan's um, video on the Sedona vortexes, I suggest you take it or I suggest you check it out. It's a good video. 
So the guide would drum with a steady beat, and then he would speed the beat up and then slow it down, and this was supposed to help connect your body, specifically your heartbeat, to the earth. And those who are connected to the vortex energy would feel a heavy vibration or a really intense tingling sensation. I watched a few of these and most people said they did not feel anything or it just felt like a nice meditation session. But one girl, one day, I was watching and they were all standing in a circle holding hands as the guide drummed. And suddenly she dropped her hands. She stepped back. She was clearly in shock and awe. And she kept repeating, that was amazing. That was amazing. That was the best feeling ever. That was amazing. I wish I could have felt what she felt. But again, with the ideomotor phenomenon and... There's other phenomenons that occur when you're in a group setting and like this even happens in cults or in religious groups, um, even in like intense yoga sessions where you start feeding off the energy of the group around you and you create your own visceral response. So scientifically, it's really hard to prove these vortexes exist. Now, if you want to come experience something on your own, I highly suggest it. As we left, I asked my husband, Chris, if he had any parting sentiments regarding Sedona and whether or not he felt the vortexes were real. He never felt anything weird or unusual. He thought it was in everyone's head, basically. Of course you feel recharged, relaxed, and at peace, he said. Just look at the scenery. I feel this way anytime I go to the mountains or spend time in the world around the beauty of the planet. So, are the Sedona energy vortexes real? Like I said earlier, to me there's definitely something special about Sedona. When we arrived at our camping spot, I was so excited. I had been looking at that spot from afar for a few weeks, and we were finally there. The day that we got there, I found so many fossils. I learned so much history at that spot, and that is the spot where I found out about Bradshaw Ranch. That is the spot where I watched my crystal necklace spin in a circle, and I know that I was not making it spin that way. That is the spot where we made new friends, and that is a special spot. The landscape is awe-inspiring. You are literally surrounded by the most jaw-dropping scenery ever. There is history in that spot. To think of the people who have traveled across that trail over and over the centuries is incredible. The experiences I had were very small in comparison to some of the experiences I have seen others have, like the girl with the drums or Sky Cowan having a sick feeling, a sick response to the drumming. Perhaps it is all dependent on how you feel and how you connect with the energy around you. So whether your goal is to experience the great outdoors or have some grand awakening, Sedona awaits you. If you ever get the opportunity to visit, I invite you to keep an open mind. And remember, stay curious.